Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. As we have this special national holiday of Christmas, the honorable mention of Christ's name in Christmas should never be taken lightly or forgotten. Uh, Christmas means the day of Christ, the day of the Messiah, the day of the Savior. And this is a clear association with our one and only Savior, Jesus. And we are to remember his birth and also his first visitation. And furthermore, I believe there should be great honor and worship. For Jesus was not just any man, but he was and is God. And his coming is described this way in Philippians chapter 2. It's on the screen as well in verse 6. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with who? God. But made himself of no reputation, but took upon the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. You see, it wasn't a robbery for Jesus Christ to be equal with God the Father, because he is God. He was God in the flesh. Yes, he is called the Son of God, but Jesus says, I and my Father are one. The angel also proclaims in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is, let's say it together, God with us. If Christ is God, then he is worthy to be worshipped and honored. Especially on this season, named after his precious name. The world wishes not to honor or worship God. They wish to dismiss everything that is of Christ and replace it with their own selves. I heard about how there was a civil argument, how it was unfair that atheists had no recognized days for their beliefs as other religious, uh, religious did. The case was brought before a Christian judge. After listening to the passionate presentation by the uh, atheist lawyer, the judge banged his gravel, declaring, case dismissed. The lawyer immediately stood and objected to the ruling, saying, Your Honor, how can you possibly dismiss this case? Christians have Christmas, Easter, etc. The Jews have Passover and Yom Kippur and, and Rosh uh, Hashanah and uh, uh, Hanukkah, and yet my client and all the other atheists have no such holidays. The judge leaned forward in his chair and said, But you do have a holiday. The lawyer said, Your Honor, we are unaware of any special holiday or observed by atheists, or recognized by this nation. The lawyer sharp, uh, 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 and then the judge uh, replied once again, you do have one, and the lawyer sharply replied, so what, uh, uh, what do you mean? Well, I want you to understand that Psalm 14 verse 1 says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And in April, there's something called April's Fool's Day. You do have a holiday, case dismissed. When people actually claim there is no God, they claim themselves to be God. So in Christmas, people want to say happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. And they don't want to recognize Christ. They don't want to recognize God in their lives. And, and this might be a very subtle thing, but by the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. 
It's a perfect example of evaluating Christ slowly but surely. People are more filled with covetousness, their own selves, than they are with Christ. It is studied that back in 2013, just two years ago, some retailers were concerned about the fact that there were only 26 shopping days between Black Friday and Christmas Day. They were concerned. But in, amazingly, the National Retail, Retail Federation expected that year that there would be $602 billion of sales. But they were still worried that they only had 26 days of sales. At the end, average Americans spent $730 on gifts and merchandise. And I wonder how it was for this year of 2015. I'm just simply saying, by what people say and, and what people do during this Christmas season, does reveal that they don't want to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. And they don't want to focus on God Almighty, but they want to focus on themselves. They want to focus on maybe their wants and maybe their desires. And we can use Christ for the excuse to fill up our lustful uh, stomach. And we might say that we don't have idols, but we sure do have worship uh, of possessions. Someone has once said, we don't worship what should be used, and we don't use what should be worshipped. And ladies and gentlemen, we need to have a fine balance of what possession is in our lives. It is a, first of all, gift from the Lord. And we need to always recognize that it is. And then secondly, we must use them as such to glorify the Lord. It's not our possession. It's not our, I guess, ownership. We are just stewards of all the things that God has given us. And we are not to worship things in our lives. And that's what the world wants us to do. And we need to make sure we have the right balance and uh, not to say that buying things, going on shopping is wrong, but I believe that as Christians, we need to have contentment more than covetousness. And contentment is godliness, my friend. Uh, last time I checked in the scripture. And we need to make sure we have that same focus in this Christmas season and that same heart because that's what Christ wants us to have. And I believe when we have contentment, we do, we do focus on worship, we do give thanks to the Lord, and that we glorify our Savior, Jesus Christ. And all honor and glory belongs to Christ. In Revelation 5.13, the Bible says, And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and such are in the sea and all that are in them, heard I sing, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sit upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Notice the words, forever and ever. You see, all the honor and glory belongs to our Savior all the time. And ladies and gentlemen, during this Christmas season, we need to focus on our Savior more. And not only on Christmas Day, but every single day, we need to honor our Savior. And as we think about this visitation, we read about in Matthew chapter 1 and 2. And let us focus how we could truly observe our Savior in honor as many of these people did as they encountered Christ. I'd like to share with you this morning three divine positions of Christ that causes us to honor Him. And I believe these people in the scripture like Mary and Joseph and the wise men, even the shepherd, they acknowledge the, all the glory and honor belongs to the Savior. And I'd like to share with you the three positions of Christ in the Christmas story. 
that really gets us to honor Him and focus on Him. First of all, let's think about unwrapping His honor as the shepherd. As the shepherd. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8. The Bible says, And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. In verse 20, the Bible says, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, and it was told unto them. Now, as we think about the visitation uh, by the shepherd to Jesus Christ, uh, we think about how the commoners were called to worship the Savior as soon as he was born. And that's a great, wonderful application for us to recognize that God has come to save not just the people are on the kingly thrones or maybe in the priesthood or maybe even the religious. No, he came to seek and to save for all people and even especially the commoners. And it's a great application that we could draw from in Luke chapter 2. But also I believe there's a wonderful sad application as we think about this visitation from the shepherd because I believe Christ is often mentioned as our shepherd. In John chapter 10, verse 11, the Bible says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. In John chapter 10, verse 14, I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and know them mine. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20, Now the God of peace, and brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25, As you were as sheep going astray, but are, are, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. And there are many numerous accounts where Jesus Christ is mentioned as the shepherd of our soul and of our lives. And as we think about the visitation of the shepherd and also the wise men, the very first visitation of Christ was the fact that he was to be the Lamb of God and also to be the shepherd of our soul, not a king yet, but as a redeemer. And I believe that's great. this is a great application for us to draw from how Jesus Christ is our shepherd as we think about the visitation of the shepherd to Jesus Christ on his birth. And what does a shepherd do? A shepherd protects a sheep. What does a shepherd do? A shepherd provides food for his sheep. A shepherd leads and guides sheep. A shepherd is willing to give his life for his sheep. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, is our shepherd. He deserves all the glory and honor, for our shepherd always cares and protects, and he also loves us. He gave his life for his sheep, didn't he? He gave his life for you. He gave his life for me. And as we think about our shepherd this way, what more can we want and what complaint do we have? I mean, we have Jesus Christ as our shepherd. Let's go to Psalm 23, please, in your Bibles. Let's go to Psalm 23. Psalm 23, look at verse 1. It's on the screen as well. And let's read it together. Ready? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Bible says he is our shepherd, so we don't have any other desire. We don't have any wants. Why? Because he fulfills them all. What more do we want 
outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, He will protect you and guide you and feed you, and, and He will grow you, and He will in every way lead you. I believe that He could satisfy all the desires in your life, and we need to delight ourselves in the Lord, and I believe all our desires will be filled if we just simply seek the kingdom of God. Jesus says, all these things shall be added unto you. Look further on in Psalm 23, it's not on the screen, but look at verse 2. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, and he leadeth me beside the still waters. He restored my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Let's read verse 6 together. Ready? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, for I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ is with us. He is our shepherd. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow. Follow us in all the days of our lives. So there should be no worry and there should be no cares in this world that draws us away from this peace. He is our shepherd. We will not want. I think about in this Christmas season, we need to remember that Christ came as a shepherd. He gave his life for us. He dwells with us. He guards our souls and lives. And the shepherd is also coming back. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, he shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. And ladies and gentlemen, you know, uh, the Bible says that there are pastors in the scripture, pastors at churches. And as we think about the scripture, it is called the bishop or the elder or the pastor. And of course, pastor is linked to a role of a shepherd. And uh, many people call pastors as maybe the under-shepherd. I thank God that I get to preach the Word of God, and thank God I get to uh, share the counsels of God with you and teach you and also even try to edify the church with truth and, and also with the love of Christ. But thank God one day we will just all just sit together, and I'll be sitting at the auditorium too one day and in temple in heaven, and I'll be sitting, and guess what? We will hear from Jesus Christ, our chief shepherd. That would be the greatest blessing, wouldn't it? And our Savior, Jesus Christ, will be the preeminent one. And thank God that everybody will just look to Christ and hear his word and be with him forever and ever. And he is our chief shepherd forever, my friend. And be encouraged about that. And be strengthened about that. When people fail you, realize that Jesus Christ never fails you. And realize that Jesus Christ never changes. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. He has taken care of you before as a shepherd, and he will take care of you forever as a shepherd. And so trust in him in this Christmas season. Don't be discouraged as you end 2015 in the week time. Hey, be encouraged by the fact that he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be encouraged about He is your shepherd. Secondly, as we unwrap Christmas and his honor, let's unwrap the fact that he is a sovereign. Unwrapping his honor as a sovereign. And uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, the Bible says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, 
Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that born of the king of the Jews? For if ye have seen a star in the east, and are come to worship him. Who were the wise men looking for? A shepherd? Yes, he was a shepherd, but that's not who they were looking for. Were they looking for a servant? Yes, he was a servant. Was he looking for, were they looking for a lamb? Yes, even though he was a lamb. And uh, was he, uh, uh, were they looking for the Son of Man, even though he was a Son of Man? No, I believe they were not looking for these specific positions of Christ, but they were looking for a king. The Bible says, where is he that born king of the Jews? Not just any king, but the promise of the Messiah in the Davidic covenant. The one who will rule all. Look at Isaiah chapter 9 on the screen. Look at verse 6 and down to verse 7. Uh, For unto us a child is born. Okay. Talking about the birth of Jesus. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Look at verse 7. Of the increase of his government... And peace there shall be no end forever upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. You see, Isaiah chapter 9 had been fulfilled in every way. In the beginning part, especially as we think about our Savior, Jesus Christ, he was born. And of course, we're waiting for his second coming. But the wise men recognized the prophecy to be true, that Jesus Christ will be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And this Christmas season, remember that Jesus Christ is a King of kings and Lord of lords in our lives too. And the question is, is he truly a king over your life today? Does he have this great reign over you? And are you always willing to do his bidding? If not, then how can we honor him? How can we honor God if he is not the king of our lives? And you might say he is the savior of your life, but is he the Lord of your life now? Is he the king of your life? Is he your master? Are you a servant of righteousness? Are you living a separated life? Are you living a life of godliness? Are you serving the king, my friend? I hope you are. Some people are grateful for Jesus Christ being the lamb. We thank God for that. But let us worship and honor him as a king too. And let us obey his commandments. And let us observe to do what he has commanded us to do. For some critics, they might think that Christ's life on the first visit was a defeat and of no significance. But we realize as we look at the study of Christ's life on the first visitation, he was still a king. Because he was sovereign. He was controlling all the different uh, 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 acts and events that was going around him. I think about even the time when he was about to be arrested and uh, uh, Jesus Christ says, who do you look for? And they said, we look for Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus says, I am he. What happened? Those people just fell over. 
And of course, Jesus Christ just gave himself to the Gentiles. And you see, he was in control of everything. He was truly a sovereign king. Someone has wrote this in this matter. He began his ministry by being hungry, yet he is a bread of life. Jesus ended his earthly ministry by being thirsty, yet he is a living water. Jesus was weary, yet he is our rest. Jesus paid tribute, yet he is the king. Jesus was accused of having a demon, yet he cast out demons. Jesus wept, yet he wipes away our tears. Jesus sold, was sold for 30 pieces of silver, yet he redeemed the world by his precious blood. Of Je- uh, pl- uh, by his precious blood. And Jesus brought as a lamb to the slaughter, yet he is a good shepherd. Jesus died, yet by his death, he destroyed the power of death. You see, Jesus might be weak in the eyes of the world, but he was truly powerful, and he was truly sovereign in all the things, especially on the cross, especially at the tomb as he rose again on the third day. You see, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ is sovereign. He is truly king. Christ said, I have overcome the world. And let us obey our king who has overcome this world. He knows what he is doing. He is sovereign. Ladies and gentlemen, he is sovereign over your life. I just read just a uh, a day ago, in Romans chapter 8, and uh, I got a little discouraged about the day that morning, and then I read Romans chapter 8 for my devotion. It's amazing how, as you have a devotion, chapter by chapter, and God just, you know, gets you to go to that verse at the right moment. You know, uh, if you're not having daily devotion every day, hey, you're missing something, my friend. And you'll just recognize how God will speak to you just at the right time. And you might have a routine or maybe a schedule, but God intervenes and God just does something great within your devotion. He speaks to your heart. And I remember reading Romans chapter 8. I encountered that famous verse, for all things work together for good to them that love God. Oh, that encouraged me. And, uh, you know, our imaginations and our maybe thinking and, and our perception might get us to be discouraged. And I think that's why uh, God says casting down, you know, uh, every imagination. Okay? And uh, in every age, those imagination that goes against the knowledge of God. And we need to cast away those discouragement, those things that are unreal, and be encouraged by reality that God is sovereign. He is taking care of us. He is in control. And ladies and gentlemen, he is controlling your life. And he has everything planned for good in your life. Yes, even through uh, failures. Yes, through different mistakes. Yes, even through sin. God will take care of you. And God will uh, 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 bring a better plan for your life. And ladies and gentlemen, do not doubt what God can do. So lastly, number three, unwrapping his honor as the Savior. As the Savior. Simeon witnessed of the infant child Jesus, and he says in Luke chapter 2, verse 28, down to verse 32, And took he Simeon, him up in his arm, and blessed God, and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For my eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. And a witness of Christ as well, she says, and she coming in that instant, gave thanks like unto the Lord, and spake of him to all them that look for redemption in Jerusalem. You know, as we think of the word salvation mentioned by Simeon and redemption by Anna, 
We understand that Christ came to die, bring, salva- uh, bring salvation, and redemption for all men. And Christ did not just come as a teacher or a prophet or a healer or maybe just a preacher. No, he came as a savior. A preacher named D.M. Stearns was preaching in Philadelphia one day. At the close of the service, a stranger came up to him and said, I don't like the way you spoke about the cross. I think that instead of emphasizing the death of Jesus, it would be better for to preach Jesus and, uh, 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 concerning his teaching and also his example. Stern replied, if I presented Christ that way, would you be willing to follow him then? I certainly would, said the stranger without hesitation. All right, then, said the preacher. Let's take the first step. He did no sin. Can you claim that for yourself? The man looked confused and somewhat surprised. Why, no, he said. I acknowledge that I do sin. And Stern replied, then your greatest need is to have a Savior, not an example. And that's the first thing that everyone needs to come to in their life. You need a Savior. You need Jesus Christ as your Savior. And if you have received Christ as your Savior... What a great joy, my friend. Then, now you could follow after his footsteps. And if you don't have the inward man created in Christ Jesus, how could you be more like Jesus? How could you, uh, you know, uh, speak and also walk and think like Jesus if you don't have him in your heart? Do you have Christ as your Savior this morning? Do you have Jesus as your Savior and by the way, you know, uh, in a few days' time, we're not going to celebrate Muhammad days, okay? And uh, we're not going to celebrate uh, uh, Budamus, okay? And we're not going to celebrate Athemus, no. We're going to celebrate Christmas, okay? The coming of the Savior, Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, God with us. He will save people from their sin, the angels say. How clear was that? And Anna and Simeon knew that. And they proclaimed the salvation of the Lord and the redemption of Israel. And ladies and gentlemen, do you know the joy of having your sins forgiven? You might know the happiness of maybe having a house. And you might know the happiness having a good bank account. You might have to know the happiness having a good sturdy job and a good retirement plan. But do you have the joy of the forgiveness of sin? Because... There is no joy greater than that. Romans chapter 4, verse 8, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. And I shared with you just a few weeks ago concerning heaven on a Wednesday night. You know, greatest wonderful thing about heaven is twofold. Number one is that we get to see Jesus Christ. Okay, it's not the mansions or the gold and the pearly gates and and the crystal river, and the thousands of angels, millions of angels singing the glories of God. We thank God for all those, and God promises those too. And that there be no more pain, there'll be no disease. Thank God for that too. There'll be no more death. Thank God for that. But as we think about heaven, the greatest wonderful gift to us is that we get to be with Jesus. Can you imagine the moment where Jesus will greet you? Can you imagine the moment he'll Put his hand out, the, the, the hands that have been pierced before. And you'll see him as a lamb of God that was slain. And uh, can you imagine that moment you meet Jesus face to face? That'd be a great moment. And it is really worth it all. And, uh, 
And ladies and gentlemen, that's the greatest thing. But the second greatest thing about heaven is that there is no more sin. There's no more sin. That's why Jesus Christ out on the cross, so that we could be in a place where there's no more sin. And I don't know what temptation and what struggle you have in your life. And uh, what you cannot overcome in this lifetime. But ladies and gentlemen, all those things will be done away with when we get to heaven. They'll be all gone. No more sin. No more temptation. Wouldn't you be like to be in that place? And Christians, rejoice that he is your Savior. Rejoice in that, that he has forgiven your sin. In this Christmas season, he has forgiven all of your sins, your past, present, and future. All the sins that you would ever commit in your life, he has taken all of it away. That is the greatest joy, my friend. That is the greatest joy. So honor him as your Savior during this season. Honor him as your Savior on that Christmas day. Gather with your family and pray. Even maybe read the Christmas story together. Honor him. Honor him. Worship him. Don't just on a Christmas day open presents and then, you know, uh, just share gifts. And in every way, that's a great, wonderful occasion. And we, you know, thank God for that. We thank God that we get to do that. But how about we pray about the fact that Jesus Christ is our Savior while we gather as a family to read the Christmas story and just impart to our children what Christmas is, is all about. And uh, I'm proud of my daughter, you know. Uh, every time we talk about Santa and, uh, you know, maybe watching a little show or maybe something um, of, a, of a book or whatever, and uh, she looks up at me and she says, Santa's not real, <laughs> you know. And, uh, you know, she's always very em- emphasizing that all the time. That's great. That's great. That's fine. And, uh, you know, Santa's not real. And uh, we were just watching the Christmas story on YouTube. There's something called the, beginning, the Beginner Bible. And uh, there's this cartoon, uh, Bible Christmas story that we uh, went through. And uh, uh, she was just like mentioning these couple of things. That, That's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. <laughs> and uh, and uh, maybe, uh, maybe she, come up, she could become a preacher one day. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, she's just, you know, uh, she remembers the Christmas story pretty well. And maybe Mrs. Brooks and Brother Harry does a pretty good job. And, and uh, you know, uh, I'm so proud of her in every way. And uh, I was, you know, I, I'm so glad that we were able to impart to her about Jesus Christ during this Christmas season. And ladies and gentlemen, do that with your family. And share that with your family, too. And, and do, the, do all that you can to honor Jesus He is worthy, God's people say. He is worthy, my friend. Why is he being neglected? I don't know why. Why is he not being thought of? Why is he not being prayed to? I don't know why. Let us take time to be holy. Let us take time to honor Jesus during this season.